The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Professor Renata Skuman, head of MBA Healthcare Leadership at Stellenbosch Business School, of course, of Stellenbosch University, the great Marty's Gemeenskap by Stellenbosch, by the Westkap and the Land South Africa. Ons praat vanavond met Renata Skuman op hierdie sake, hashtag health op maandag. Presenteeism and the health risks associated with it. Have you ever gone to work where you know you shouldn't be at work? That's what we are talking about. Presenteeism is being physically present at work, but mentally absent and unproductive due to illness, injury, stress or burnout. Not only does this come at a greater economic cost than absenteeism, of course it carries great health risks. Speaking this week at the Corporate Wellness Week from 4 to 8 July, which aims to raise awareness and improve wellness practices in the workplace, Skuman um, said that presenteeism came not only at an economic cost, but at a cost to mental health, leading to burnout and other conditions due to not being treated properly. She said that problems of presenteeism has increased and shifted to e-presenteeism with a rapid shift in working patterns, especially remote online work and flexible schedules during COVID-19 pandemic. Professor Skuman further highlighted solutions to presenteeism, including addressing organizational culture and toxic working environments, which prize working longer hours and employees being always on and instead modeling the valuing healthy behavior logging off and better work-life balance certainly is an ongoing conversation but perhaps it now has a different nuances in the online world with e-presenteeism without asking you a specific question from what i said professor skuman i think you can take south africans into your confidence and just highlight truly how bad the problem is and how this is now creating serious mental health problems for the nation at large. Otherwise, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Prof. Skuman? Seems to be be a a problem there with Professor Skuman, so we're going to be trying to get hold of her. But I think this is a good time. Let's assume for a moment that she's not going to come on, so let's get engagements from you at home i know for one as one who works from home still that working hours are a very different dynamic now than they would have been say in the typical nine to five world before COVID. you arrive at your desk you work you take a lunch hour you can even go off-site for that and you come back and you work until 4 30 when you can leave whereas because that dynamic doesn't exist anymore, you can expect to field a call literally when your colleague has a question that he or she wants to answer through WhatsApp, through even a call on MS Teams, or the flow of emails doesn't particularly follow the 9 to 5 pattern. It's whenever the colleague is doing his or her work that they can send you an email. And of course, you've got your notifications on, you're pretty much always going to be ready and available and at the back on call of your colleagues. So that's the question I'm really trying to engage, how that experience has been for you in the world of working from home. But just on a bird's eye perspective, what challenges are we really dealing with in corporate South Africa or in homes that are now 
if you like, spaces of corporate South Africa with those working from home having to deal with these dynamics of presenteeism. Good evening to you, Renata Skuman, Professor and Head of MBA Healthcare Leadership at Stellenbosch University's Business School. Prof, you can hear me, is that correct? Hello? Prof, you can hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Fantastic. Do you want to respond to the challenges or the problem, really, that the nation is facing with presenteeism and the challenges that workers are faced with and that employers need to be aware of? I think it's important that we first start with what is presenteeism. Now, there's various things that we need to look at. Firstly, there's many people that's at work and busy with other things than what they should be busy with. Multitasking, browsing on social media, playing games, or whatever the case might be. Now, that is not presenteeism. That is just poor work ethics and poor habits. When we talk about presenteeism, it's when people are present at work, but they are mentally and emotionally absent and unproductive due to illness, injury, stress, or burnout. And what is interesting, what the research shows, is that that is more costly to organizations than actually being absent from work due to illness. Now, previously we talked just about physical being absent or present at work, but now with going online, working in a virtual environment, working from home, working remotely, we're also faced with e-presenteeism, which can also then leads to lower levels of productivity and more mistakes or lower standard of work than usual, or that you can work longer and longer hours, but not smarter. You are putting more hours, but there's less output. You can be tired and exhausted in virtual meetings, and in general, just your productivity goes down. Now, how is that a challenge that can be overcome? Because for some reason or the other, for the employer to get a sense that the employees are indeed productive, they almost need to see them. And how do you ensure you see them in this online world with people working from home? It's that green dot on your Outlook or on your MS Teams. It's probably more meetings being held now than traditionally would be the case pre-COVID-19. And then just this constant engagement. I mean, there are work WhatsApp groups that are a way to gauge who's present and who's not present. And I suppose that's probably more adverse than it is beneficial to the institution, given the context of what we're talking about. It is. And it's, again, it's almost a bilateral problem because organizations tend to measure productivity in terms of bumps and seats, you know, clocking in at work, clocking out. And it's almost admired if you go in early and you leave late at night and not really paying attention in terms of output. Now, in a virtual environment, it's more, even more difficult because you also, there's the financial aspect of it. You want to prove your worth to the organization. We all know that the economy is constrained. And you prove in the end, you, you want to show that you're productive, but now you're only online more and more hours. You schedule your diary full with back-to-back meetings instead of having focused time to work or you stay on later, sent emails late, or as you mentioned, other media platforms, Teams or Google Hangouts or WhatsApp, and we do not have boundaries anymore, which means that not working smarter, we're actually just decreasing our own self-care, 
we actually negatively impacting on the mental health of our colleagues as well. And it becomes a very toxic work environment where we are prizing longer hours and being always on instead of modeling and valuing healthy behavior and logging off and better work-life balance. In this modern day, logging off is just about, at times anyway, impossible because everything happens through the cell phone. Your WhatsApp is linked to your private as well as your professional space. You've got but access you know, to your... you know, luckily we have ESCOM. ESCOM forces... I did not see that one. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yo, I laughed as I, I was at my own dinner table there. But I think you raise a point. I mean, ESCOM inadvertently is creating... Um, a solution, but creating many other problems. So the less said about them, the better. But, Prof, let's have this conversation. South Africa is seeing a dramatic increase in mental health-based care issues. And I think this is something which we as a society, first of all, just need to understand for what it is. But as important, if not more important, break down what I can probably say is the stigmatization of mental health issues in this country so that we can perhaps be in a better position to deal with what should be seen as a symptom or a red flag before it obviously is too late. Yeah, I think what is very, very important is, as you mentioned, stigma. And there's so much institutionalized stigma and just the way that we talk about things, the vocabulary that we use. We say so easily, yeah, I'm depressed, but we don't really understand what depression means. We so easily flung around terms like I have ADHD, not really understanding what a diagnosis of ADHD entails. So by talking lightly about mental health conditions, um, we almost trivialize it instead of really considering the impact it has on people that's affected and their families. More than that also is that in South Africa, and that's a general comment maybe, we Uh so often look at other people to provide the solution. We look at government to provide the solution. And people blame, public sector blame, private sector, private sector blame, public sector, instead of thinking how all of we can contribute to mental wellness in the country, not only our own, but also our colleagues, our teams, our employees, and especially if people are in leadership positions, how you can actually model healthy behavior and how you can look at organizational culture and policies that's in place in terms of supporting people with physical and mental health conditions and to promote healthy working habits and boundaries that we can really foster a supportive environment and break down the stigma and really move not only to mental wellness, but holistic wellness for our employees. You know, when you talk about that, I perhaps am guilty of not necessarily using the opportunities that are available to me. I don't imagine this is something, if my employer is listening, my employer will enjoy hearing. But whenever I see a wellness-related invitation for a meeting online, certainly in the last two years, two and a half years, I just pretty much check out because one, I think I'm fine, or at least I believe I'm fine. I don't imagine they're going to say anything this time around, which is too dramatically different to the previous instance they had a conversation of this kind. I don't certainly think I'm an exception to this. I'm more minded to think I'm the rule in relation to people just thinking anything about corporate wellness and making sure that you are relaxed is just one of those conversations which people will log on for the sake of marking the register but not really participate. And I say this because whenever the presenter is making 
a presentation and asking for engagement, it takes a minute before anybody's brave enough to offer a response. That's probably because they're doing something else in the background. How do we ensure, therefore, this is the question, we engage people to understand this engagement as a proactive step in health management and that one should not be bored or what does it say then to the organization if people are not using the facility or platform as optimally as, say, the organization would want or could, so as to ensure that it doesn't have a case of an increase in mental health-related challenges within its workforce? In other words, if not this, how then does an organization continue to keep a tab on its employees remotely, as the case may be, and ensuring that they are healthy, at least mentally? It's very interesting that you raise that because I always consider the media as very big allies that we have in terms of raising awareness as we have this conversation tonight. But at the same time, I'm also helping to facilitate wellness strategies at the business school. And I'm also sometimes puzzled about the poor uptake. But then I realize sometimes it's something very practical, like uh, over-scheduling of the number of meetings that people attend and we're bombarding people with long drawn-out meetings instead of maybe having more maybe open engaging even meetings in the educational platform in a social context you know different type of wellness activities not only talks but maybe sport events or, or art events or whatever the case might be just to connect with people or to share information in bite-sized chunks. Rather maybe send out a five-minute, you know, a five-minute read that you can do, like an email with an interesting article or interesting podcast mm-hmm. and a link where people can watch that in their time and have the formal events less frequently, especially if people are already inundated with meetings. But sure. the other thing that, I often find is a reluctance to attend this because people see it's a lot of talk and we don't do. You know, you arrange this event for us, but on the other hand, you don't have any respect for our boundaries. You send emails at 10 o'clock in the evening or you demand excessive hours from a leader's perspective. So it doesn't help. You know, you need to practice what you preach. Sure. You can't have this event, but then the culture that's lived in the organization, there's a complete value clash. Can I ask this question, and probably just a very personal question, and I'm quite okay asking this question. If I have a bad day, open, close quote, at work, this mm-hmm. is physically happening in my home. Mm-hmm. Whereas before 20, well, before COVID, I would have a bad day at work. Between work and home, I still have an opportunity to leave, if you like, that bad day, if not in the office, somewhere in my commute to home. I don't have that facility now because I am being offended or upset, whatever the case may be, at that point. And this is happening in my home. Two steps later, I'm seeing my wife, I'm seeing my child, I'm seeing my brother, I'm seeing my friend, I'm seeing my employee who's a domestic and I'm in my bedroom still feeling that feeling that I was feeling, open, close quote, in the office. But all of this is happening in my home. Of course, that then contaminates the very home. This is something probably that hasn't been engaged enough, or has it? No, it hasn't. And one of my patients once very amply put it, like he is so tired of having his boss in his bedroom and his children in his boardroom. Mm. And and I think that is a very nice way of putting this 
blurring of boundaries. And it's the only person that can actually do something about it is yourself. It's only you that can put measures in place. And one of the simplest things to do is to really log off and to keep to your routine. For example, if you work, doesn't matter what your office hours are, if you work 8 to 5 or 11 to 9, whatever the case may be, but to have almost like a ritualistic break from it. You know, close your office or close your computer, go for a walk around the block <coughs> or just a 20-minute walk mm. or have a cup of tea, just a ceremonially break like what you would have done previously. And what I also say, what I find, um, being a mom and a wife, colleague myself, is that I often just need 30 minutes of I don't have to listen to anyone. And that's something that it's interesting. When I was a child, my mom had a rule. And, I, you know, when you're a child, you think your parents have strange rules. Mm-hmm, but think. when we got at home, you mm-hmm. were supposed to go to your room for 20 minutes, unpack your suitcase, and then come back, and then we talk to each other. But it creates that emotional space that we need. Especially now, where work is home and home is work, you need to create that ritual that helps you to not contaminate the two areas, exactly as you said. Interesting conversations coming through, and I'm glad we have a caller from Ed Jabulani in Soweto, Makosonge, calling us this evening. 21.25 is the time. The guest is Professor Renata Skuman, Head of MBA Healthcare Leadership at Stellenbosch Business School. Quite a lovely campus, if I must say, there in Tiger Valley. Check it out if you're interested. Makosonge, your thoughts? Yeah. Hello, can in, you hear me? Indeed. Yes, yes. and your guest as well. Makosonge, go for it, please. Yes, I just want to say that um, I was uh, I was I was managing I was a manager in the corporate sector, and uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that um, the corporate sector doesn't invest in in in, in training their managers into dealing with uh, providing services uh, to their staff members because the approach I took for me was that as much as these guys are, are giving services to the clients. I must give service to them. So then I made sure that I've got one-on-one sessions with them. And in the morning, I would have uh, inspirational talks with them. And also, I would set goals that will inspire them to grow as people, you know. So I just believe that um, they would say when they uh, show out an application that uh, you need to motivate staff. But you can't just motivate staff. If really it's not an international intention. Uh, the corporate is not intentional about it in making sure that they empower their managers or their leaders in order to make sure that they provide that type of because it, it, it requires a certain way of, of, of understanding to be able to tackle that with the staff members are concerned. Thank you. That's my contribution. Excellent point. Thank you so much, Marcus Onge. Perhaps mm-hmm. if I might even build on that. The skill set that was required of a manager pre-COVID in a typical and traditional office environment has absolutely changed in this world where it isn't the office, but it is the home, it is remote. There aren't those obvious proximity issues that one can contend with, which might have masked or facilitated for better managerial um, skills to be deployed for the purposes of running an efficient ship, if you like. Now that things have changed, I think empowering of managers is equally just as important as opposed to having a conversation about presenteeism, which comes possibly because there isn't something which is dealt with at a managerial level 
to be adept in the new environment. I hope my question makes sense there, Renata. Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the things that we know when we all were in office is there were personal contact. So it was easy to pick up in someone's body language maybe or in the behavior that yes, you know, they yes. support or that something is wrong. And people could have had that informal conversation at the coffee you know, station. Are you okay? Are you taking straight? And things could have been dealt with almost quicker. We're now in a virtual environment. Often people don't even switch on their videos, which I think is a poor habit, except if you're banned with problems, your videos should always be on. It keeps yourself engaged and accountable. But other people can also gauge. You can see if someone is tired. You can see if someone is disengaging, if they're taking strain, and then you don't have to address it in it, but afterwards pick up the phone and call. The other thing that I think contributed to the problem is in the beginning of lockdown, we were all very excited about all the technology we have at bay. Suddenly it was Teams and Google and WhatsApp groups <laughs> and Zoom, and we all got fatigued and overwhelmed with all of these. And at this stage, my one recommendation is please streamline Stop using all these platforms. Decide which one is working the best and limit yourself to that. And also just to avoid Zoom fatigue, which is a real term that was you know, coined during the lockdown. Mm-hmm. The impact of having this incessant back-to-back meetings unnecessary often is starting to revert to almost one of the old-fashioned ways of communicating. If someone sends you a meeting request, Ask them, A, is it something we can resolve with a quick phone call or via email? And B, if we have a meeting, what is the agenda? Are you actually needed? Because we tend to now fill our days with this incessant meetings, which is not necessarily productive. Or you don't necessarily need to be attending that. Mm. And it could have mm. been resolved much quicker, sure. leaving yourself time for focused work or leaving yourself time for a call to a colleague to check in with them. Are you okay? Do you need support? Now, back to presenteeism, people being in the office environment, albeit at home, where they simply are in no position to be. And and this probably would be more prevalent than in previous instances because whereas you would have had to take leave and physically not present in the office, here people might think, look at my diary, it's really not that busy, so I'll spare my leave days and yet be available at work, the presenteeism. But I really don't feel like it, so I'll just chill in my bed and wait for a call or wait for an email. Talk to us about the dangers of that. In other words, being half and half. You're pretty much not at work, but you're available to engage work because you're trying to save on a leave day. So this is how presenteeism presents, right? You just try and just make sure you are there and floating. But there's something else you might be losing ultimately. Yeah. But there's, again, so many factors at play. And myself, I'm guilty. You can hear that I'm still a bit fluish. Um, you know, like, because we are able now to engage with Zoom meetings, for example, it's very easy to say, I'm ill, I stay at home because I don't want to infect you, but I don't feel that ill. I can actually still do some of this work so that I don't fall behind even further. And as you mentioned, not to use leave days. But the point is, when you're sick, you should take sick leave. Because if you take care of yourself, if you do recuperate, the chance that you can return to work is there. But now there is this financial presence as well. People are scared that if they do take leave, people will frown upon it or that you know, the leave days will, 
will expire or whatever the case might be. And people are scared to be seen as not coping. People are scared to be seen as I'm sick or I'm, you know, I need a day off or heaven forbid I need a mental health day off. You know, if we break our leg, it's one day, but we cannot say that I need a day off to take care of my mental health. So it's a lot of compounding factors. It's a systemic issue. It's not the one thing or the other. The technology helped us to be more productive. The technology enabled us to survive COVID and, you know, to remain employed and to deliver a service. But at the same time, technology can be to our detriment because it means that we're not taking care of ourselves. These boundaries have blurred. Mm. Mm. Uh, it can be our enemy as well. Final question. Curriculum development in relation to now the corporate world as it now is and is developing to be. There are quite a few companies, particularly your management consultant companies at a global level who have pretty much given their employees free reign to never have to return to the office. I'm thinking, I think it was PwC and Deloitte might be that one. Forgive me if you're at that company and my facts are wrong, but the point is still that many corporates have now changed and changed forever. When you talk about business leadership and business administration, surely the psychological aspects of having to deal just on this issue as an HR issue, for instance, needs to filter through to curriculum development so as to empower those who have such aspirations of leading corporates in the near future? I think there's a few things there. The one thing that we should focus, corporate mental health is very, very important. We all know that. We all know that there's a financial return in terms of corporate health investments. But I think perhaps we should move away from only focusing on sickness, you know, to prevent anxiety, to prevent depression, etc. But really even, not only curriculums for corporates, but even at school level, start with let's build resilience. Let's build resilient young people, resilient children, resilient adults, resilient employees to build resilient organizations. So that's the one thing. The second thing, there's a lot to be said, that people are very, very worried about if we work from home, what is happening with corporate culture? But I don't have the answer for that one. But we all see corporate culture as something that we need to build when we're in the same room. But that is not the future. And we need to think in terms of how are we going to build a culture, a sense of community, and accountability in a world where we might never actually meet each other physically. So that is two big challenges. I think the one I have answered for, the resilience building, the one in terms of building culture in the future of work is maybe something that is really where they need to be more research and more innovation as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting conversations. I certainly do appreciate that. Now, here is a comment that is coming through from one of the listeners, which will be the final point I will raise. Please help with advice about a manager who continues to ignore my staff's appeals to only send critically urgent work-related WhatsApp messages after hours. It causes feelings of disrespect and being disrespected. He also sends religious texts, which is only rubbing salt into the wounds. I think that's a very good point, establishing clear corporate boundaries about essentially a very, very social and informal space, which WhatsApp is. Yeah, I have very strong opinions in terms of WhatsApp. Um, I prefer that WhatsApp is used for personal 
conversations that solves some of that problem. But it's when we start to have WhatsApp groups for all kinds of other purposes, it can become very difficult to maintain. And there should be a group admin that puts very clearly down what this WhatsApp group is for. And then I would suggest when it splits into more the social bantering or this inappropriate messages that that rules is posted again, or that the WhatsApp group is then split in two, or if, it, or if it's one-way communication that it's being made a broadcast group. But we don't always have to look at other people to solve the problem. There is an option on your WhatsApp that you can mute the group for 12 hours. So five o'clock <laughs> when you leave the office, mute the group. We Very actually well. do have some control and power over our own <laughs> you know, technology. We don't have to always look at someone else to manage it for us. He is hoping that our listener has heard that and will employ a very useful feature. You didn't mention the word block, which is quite quite a strong statement to make, but nonetheless, it is a, a, a feature of control on your WhatsApp device. Thank you so much, Professor Skuman. My pleasure. 2036.